What's up, sons and daughters? This is Sam Jesse with the crew from the Locks of Saturday. I got Brett, Chris, Robert, and Ed. Gentlemen, welcome to week 15. We usually only get 14 weeks, but this year we're getting 15 weeks of regular season college football. How are we feeling? Is it over? Is it almost over? One more month. Why not 16? 17? Let's just keep going. Hey, I'm surprised I, we made it this far, honestly. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. Hey, the only thing the end of the season means is you're only a couple weeks away from spring football starting. So play the national championship and let's just roll into FCS football in the spring. It's gonna be great. Oh, are we gonna do this for FCS football where there's like 12 teams playing? Absolutely. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be degenerates without it. <laughs> well, I, I certainly look forward to that and uh you know, we'll, we'll figure out something to do in off season. Uh, we'll, we'll modify this. And uh, if you have any ideas, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, it's where you're probably going to find most of us. Want to give you guys a quick update with the scoreboard. Scoreboard's getting tight in first place. Chris at 29 and 31 against the spread on the year. Uh, considering it's COVID year, that's pretty darn good. Robert and I are tied for second at 27 and 33. Ed and Brett tied for fourth at 26 and 34. So everyone has a chance over the next month to get to 500 maybe slightly above 500. And if you're 500 against the spread, you should be darn proud of yourself, especially in this year where like, we don't know the players who are playing in the game until literally the morning of the game. Uh, it's, it's been wild. I actually heard today breaking news on locks of Saturday uh, University of Virginia usually takes four buses to away games. They will be taking 12 to Blacksburg this weekend. 12. Chartering 12 gas. Now, are all those buses going to be socially distanced going down 91? Because that's that's key. You need to make sure of that. I Look, God bless your heart if you're that person caught between 12 buses on I-81 South. That's all I got. That's a, that is a convoy. Whew, UVA. They're probably going like five under the speed limit. In the left-hand lane. Oh, gosh. Can't imagine. But, you know, we're just going to move on. We're going to let it happen. We'll get to that game in a bit. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit. That's the uh, finale of the show. I want to start with one of the greatest sporting events in American sports. A pinnacle, a staple pillar of college football, the Army-Navy game. For the first time in a very long time being played at one of the universities, this will be played at West Point. So Army gets a home game here in one of the most picturesque, beautiful places in college football in upstate New York. Navy coming in plus six and a half against the Army Black Knights. Robert, go for it. So a lot of people when they choose a side in this game, they typically will make their side align with, you know, whether they've served in one branch or if they've had family serve in one branch, etc. I actually have one of my grandfathers was in the army and the other was in the Navy. So I have ties to both. So I am unbiased in this approach. Um, this is the year where army is just the, vastly superior team um navy being three and six this is just not their year 
I, uh, sorry, Paul, Paul, but, um, I'm going with pop squad this year, army minus six and a half. Uh, what's up with your army Navy pick? Yeah, I, I don't really have a dog in the fight per se. Um, I usually tend to lean towards Navy cause I actually did high school Navy NJROTC. So I have that minor little sliver pushes me towards Navy, but, uh, I'm going to go with Navy in this one because the records, while they won't show it, um, I think this is going to be a really close game. Um, probably decided by, you know, a late, you know, field goal or touchdown. But I actually have Army winning the game, but Navy covering the spread. So I'm going to go Navy plus six and a half in this one. Yeah, going into uh, right after Ed here, I'm also going with Navy. Uh, I am completely biased as a former service member and also a uh, service member of the Navy. Um, but for me, this one was, uh, you had to kind of dig a little bit. So obviously, if you just look straight on paper, um, it seems to be more of, you know, Army should win this game going away. But we forget that Army also was scrambling at the beginning of the year to fill out their schedule, kind of like BYU. They're an independent without really a schedule after uh, COVID hit. And they ended up doing what they did, which is filling out against pretty much a bunch of cupcakes uh, for the most part. So if you look at their overall strength of schedule, I think they're a bit padded. Um, they're one like opponent. And I know the uh, transitive property of football never really parlays, or excuse me, um, fleshes out to be something that you can really lean on. But I believe that was Tulane. Um, Navy, I believe, beat Tulane. And uh, if I go back, I think Army actually ended up losing uh, uh, losing in that game pretty handily, actually. Uh, so yeah, that is Army, the kind of one. Army got beat pretty bad. They lost 38 to 12. Yeah. So I, I just think that you know, these are probably both not great this year program wise. Um, and so, yeah, you would think that, um, you know, both in a not great year home team, it probably should be about plus three. So I just, I, I don't know, think that, excuse me, I don't think that Navy is particularly going to win this game. I just think six and a half uh, close game two like offenses, ball control, running the ball. I, I just think it's going to be a lot closer than this. So I'm going to go with Navy and the points in this one. Just seems like the value is there for this, but Brett. Yeah. The uniform enough. The uniform reveal was enough for me. I don't know if anybody got to see that, but that was by far the coolest uniform reveal I've seen all season and in a long time. So that's enough for me and maybe want to run through a brick wall after that. So I'm good with that. Give me Navy six and a half. Well, I, I, I come from an army family, so I'm go army beat Navy all day. Um, you know, regardless of the team. So I got to pick Army. I will say, though, Navy, for as poor as they have been at points in this season, the last two games only lost by uh, 13 against a really good top 25 Tulsa team. Week before that, only lost by a field goal against Memphis, a tough Memphis team with a good offense. My issue, though, with Navy is defensively, they have been subpar to say the least giving up 32 points a game. That is not good considering the competition that they have played this year. Um, yeah, give give me Army in this one all day. Um, and also, I think it's cool. I, I wish they would actually um, kind of mix up the locations for this one a bit more. Um, I know they usually just bounce between Philly and Baltimore. Uh, you know, mix it up a bit. Bring one. You know, bring one to San Diego. There's a lot of Navy people there. You know, bring it to San Fran, bring it to, you know, Tampa, something. Um, but again, one of the coolest games to watch 
all year. I mean, every everybody should watch the Army Navy game. It's tradition, and you know, of course, can't talk about this game without saying thank you to those who have served um, both in the Army, the Navy, and all of the branches of the military. Um, it just makes this game one of the coolest sporting events in America, um, and it's on my college football bucket list. I don't know about you guys. Stamp. I have been to the one. Uh, it was in Baltimore and in Philly. Both were awesome. Although, obviously, it's always played at the end of the season. And it should be, as you said, Sam, always played in an awesome warm weather city. So not only in San Diego, but it should be like the Super Bowl. It should primarily be played in Miami, San Diego, and Las Vegas going forward. Uh, and New Orleans, because... Hey, you know, support the troops. You got to support the troops. With this. Put it, here's an idea. Put it on an aircraft carrier. That would be insane. I would like to see that transposed on top of it to see a thing, but uh, you can make it happen. All right. Well, another game on my college football bucket list. Well, yes, stadium, not as necessarily game. I'd love to go to the game too. Southern California is minus three at UCLA in the Rose Bowl. One of the premier uniform matchups every year they sometimes do it always used to they would do color on color so ucla would be in the powder blue uh usc would be in the uh crimson garnet red uh iconic uniforms iconic colors love 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 this matchup because they always play in iconic theaters of college football this one being in the rose bowl uh next year will be in the la coliseum i'm a little bit Surprised at this line. Uh, USC is a darn good football team. Keaton Slovis, quarterback for USC, is 10 and 1 in Pac 12 games since starting in the middle of last season. He's 10 and 1. This year, 4 and 0 to start the season, has 10 touchdowns, only two interceptions. And we're somehow just not talking about the USC Trojans. I never thought we would see the day, but they are flying under the radar as a program that has gotten you know consistently better throughout last offseason and during this season, even though it looked like they might not play football this year. So I, I, I'm i going to USC. I'm pretty darn comfortable in this one. If this line was six and a half, I'd probably still take USC, maybe even bigger than that. So if you can get this at a field goal, hammer the Trojans, fight on Trojans. Uh, and in terms of UCLA, uh, the best thing to happen to UCLA football in a long time is probably getting the Jordan sponsorship that they did a couple of days ago. Um, Chip Kelly hasn't really coached a good football team in a long time and they have some talent, but they just don't have it figured out. Um, give me the Trojans in this one, Robert. I don't think you agree with me. I do not. I think you are not giving, uh, Chip Kelly or UCLA enough credit. Um, Chip Kelly, though, it has been rough at times in his career over the last, you know, four or five years, we'll say he is four and two in his career against Southern Cal going all the way back to his days at Oregon. Um, and you are sleeping on UCLA because even though you think that they are a vastly inferior team who doesn't is our good friends over at sharp college football who actually in their ranking have UCLA 24 and USC 26. And they have the line at UCLA minus three and a half. So that's a six and a half point swing from Vegas. Um, with 
with Chip Kelly's history here and with uh, UCLA having, pun intended, a chip on their shoulder, uh, I think that UCLA actually pulls off this upset. Yeah, you know, I got to, you know, going back to that, UCLA gets a bump because they did only lose by a field goal at Oregon. I think that's bumping a lot of their analytics. They are four and one against the spread to start this year, though. So they have been good. They've been the people's team in LA, whereas the Trojans are two and two. Uh, Ed, what do you have for this one? Uh, the victory belt, I believe, is the trophy that they play for in LA. Yeah, I actually like USC uh, minus three here. I don't watch a whole lot of Pac-12 football, but from what I've gathered, I completely agree with you, Sam. Uh, Keaton Slovis is a solid quarterback. I know that they have Amon Ross St. Brown at wide receiver is a really good player too. Um, I just think USC is um, a couple steps ahead of UCLA, and I do think UCLA with Chip Kelly will get back to um, some resemblance of national relevancy here in the near future, but I don't think it's this year. I got USC minus three. How about you? So just to kind of quickly expound upon that victory bell significance, uh, as I grew up loving this rivalry, my my parent actually went to USC. So I kind of grew up on, you know, watching them in the LA Coliseum and, and playing in the Rose Bowl pretty frequently. But uh, it's indicative of the bell that used to ring on the Southern Pacific because Los Angeles was a train town. So I just wanted to throw that nugget out there for those who are not familiar with this. And as you said, it is an iconic matchup, but um, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head already with Slovis. You know, what Graham Harrell's done with that offense has just been a complete revamped approach to how they were traditionally seen as more of just this kind of uh, more traditional pro style um, kind of offense they've always had with, you know, the, you know, the Carson Palmers of the world, Mark Sanchez, uh, you know, just uh, liner, those types of offenses with the power back. Um, and now they're not. In fact, they actually have almost no running game at all whatsoever. So their entire strength is their receivers. Uh, Ed mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown, um, who uh, is a, probably the most explosive player, but one to also keep an eye on this one is Drake London. Um, he is also just insanely skilled. And the fact that they also have some more receivers behind them and Brew McCoy and a couple other ones coming down the pipeline, they're just starting to turn more into kind of what um, Alabama has at the receiver position of just these stable uh, five stars coming into that program. And it's uh, the exact opposite of what has been happening at UCLA. Chip Kelly came in and just has not been able to recruit and, you know, the dirty secret for him is he, he never really was. He never really did well at Oregon in the recruiting department as well. Um, and so I just think that USC is a program that's kind of coming back into relevancy, whereas UCLA is just kind of struggling to stay relevant. And with the mismatch and explosive players and this game being in LA and pretty close spread with minus three, I don't think the travel is going to be an issue, obviously. So I just think all the makings of USC has the momentum. Their defense is getting more stabilized with Todd Orlando coming in last uh, offseason. And they just have the more explosive players in the game with the best quarterback. So all things being, you know, considered, you know, that to me is the angle that gives USC the edge in this. Wait, and before we get to Brett, I'm for somehow I'm just noticing this. Chip Kelly has been at USC UCLA for six years. This is his. It, oh, as a head coach. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. That I knew that didn't. I knew that didn't work. I yeah, knew he's been there since 2018. Okay. 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 No, but I I read Rob Roberts thing and I thought for I, it confused me too for a second. But 
Yeah, I got what you're saying. He was three and one against them at Oregon. Yep. Got it. Got it. Okay. Apologies. I told you guys before we started, my brain is slightly mashed potatoes tonight. Brett, be be the smart guy in the room. Tell us who to pick in the battle for the victory battle. Um, kind of pretty much echoing what everybody says about USC. I think they just have drastically better players. And Chip Kelly, as you know, everybody was like, oh my gosh, Chip Kelly to USC. They're gonna, I mean, USC, UCLA, they're going to be back pretty quickly. But he's been pretty underwhelming, as Chris said, on the recruiting trail. And also just in general, it's just like UCLA's just been kind of a dead program in the Pac-12 the last two or three years. And USC seems to be on an upward swing finally. Will they be back in the next couple of years? Who knows? They're kind of like in the same realm as like Texas, like who knows what's going to happen to them. They have all of the money and the power in the world to become one of the best teams in the country. I mean, they were at one point, not really that long ago. So um, I just think that USC is just going to have a much easier time in this game than UCLA. And USC is 4-1 and one in the last five against UCLA. So that's all I got. Exciting game for sure. Uh, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. So a game that we talk about a little later is making you really frustrated, really sad. Um, You can always turn on this one. It's a great uniform matchup, if anything else. So let's go from Santa Monica Beach, the other coast, to Coconut Grove or South Beach, uh, whichever beach you want to go to in the greater Miami area. North Carolina is plus three traveling down to Miami. Uh, this is a game where it, if you were to tell me that we had UNC and Miami, both teams would be ranked and they'd be playing at the end of the season. I would think it was for a berth in the ACC title. It is not uh, a, neither team is in that position, but, uh, Miami quietly at number 10 in the country and quietly with an eight and one record guys. How are we feeling about the Tar Heels and the Hurricanes? Robert, I'll go to you because this game is, I, to be honest with me, it snuck up on me. Like, it, I feel like knowing ESPN, they should have been doing promos for this in October. But it's just kind of been under the radar. Yeah, football is a very ironic sport. Um, and the greatest irony of all is perhaps Miami for the last, what, 10 15 years consistently being overhyped as being back or not back and almost always not back. And the one year that Miami is actually putting together a top 10 worthy season. No, it's not the the national championship expectations they're used to, but it is still an extremely successful season and no one is talking about it. And honestly, that's, I'm not unhappy about that. Uh, but regardless Miami is a very good team. De'Eric King is legit. And you look at this matchup with North Carolina, uh, you have two electric offenses, and maybe you can give North Carolina the slight edge offensively. I mean, it kind of depends on the day. But the real difference maker for me in this game is the defense, um, particularly the rush defense. North Carolina's defense is atrocious, and they're terrible at stopping the run. Um, whereas Miami is a very defensively sound team. They're not great, but they're, they can get some stops. Um, whereas I, I question whether the heels can get 
very many stops. Um, and I, I see Cameron Harris having a really, really good day for the Canes. Yeah, uh, you know, I'd like to echo what Robert just said, because it's what I wrote about in the article on SunSaturday.com. I think you're going to see a very similar game to when UNC played Notre Dame. Um, and that's because of the defensive side of the football for the Hurricanes. Um, they are maybe not as elite as Notre Dame has shown to be, but they're pretty darn close. Uh, they have athletes all over the defense. They're going to get pressure just rushing four. Uh, they are going to expose the weaknesses in UNC's offense that Notre Dame did as well. Uh, so I think you can see a similar game to what you saw against Notre Dame. And just to remind everyone, Notre Dame did win that by 14 points, which easily covered the spread, which was a uh, Four or five, I believe. So, um, and you know, just talking about spread numbers again. Miami been six and three against the spread, been really good this year. North Carolina four and six against the spread, but one and four in their last five. UNC, a team where we're starting to see the youth that they have in very key positions at cornerback, at safety. Um, they you know have some youth in the skill positions, and oh yeah, Sam Howell's only in his second year. I mean, the guy's phenomenal, but he's still a sophomore quarterback. Uh, I think in this one where you have Sam Howell on one side, I think for the first time, he's going up against a quarterback that I think is just a flat-out better playmaker than he is. I, I think Garrett King has been everything the people in South Beach thought he was going to be. Um, you know, if it wasn't for having to play Clemson, <laughs> Miami would be, you know – they would be in the ACC championship game. They don't play Clemson. Just point blank. Um, Trevor Lawrence gets coronavirus a week earlier. Miami might be undefeated right now. I mean, we don't know. They've been really good this year. So I have Miami minus three. I think this is a good pick considering that we've seen North Carolina play a very similar team and a very similar defense, and it did not end up well for them. Again, only scoring 17 in that game against Notre Dame. So I have Miami Minus three, Miami playing for a New Year's Six Bowl berth, pretty obviously, and then North Carolina not really in that conversation. Um, again, North Carolina, we've said on the podcast all year, probably a year away from their ambitions. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ed, what do you have for this one? The Hurricanes are three-point favorites at home. Yeah, I agree with you. I've got Miami. I think UNC is probably a year away. It is pretty crazy that Sam Howell's only a sophomore. Um, you expect him to be really, really good next year. And, you know, he's been really, really good this year. And UNC's been a solid team all year long. Um, but I do think Miami's just a little bit better than them in every aspect. And, yeah, if it was a normal year, um, forget about, you know, Trevor Lawrence and coronavirus. And this year, if it was a non-Notre Dame ACC year, Miami, this game would be for – you know, a trip to the ACC championship game. So uh, I like Miami's offense and I actually like their defense a little bit better than UNC's to just hold off the Tar Heels and cover in this one. Chris, you got the Canes as well. Yeah, not to kind of uh, overlap with everyone's points here. Um, I just think that they're not only have just been performing well overall, it's just kind of like a like against the spread this year, but especially as a, as a favorite. So they've just been meeting expectation. Finally, uh, it you, you look back on the season and they're nine and one, but they're the 10th ranked team. And then you look at the people in front of them and it's like, you know, you have 
all of a sudden a lot of weight in the big 12 and Iowa state jumps up, you know, a bunch of spots in there. It's like, you know, Miami should be considered to be a little bit higher than they are just because their lone blemish is the Clemson, you know, and that's not a knock against any program, but their lone loss being Clemson. I know it wasn't necessarily a super close game, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Clemson and that probably shows more of the gap of, you know, those types of programs and where Miami's at right now. But um I think that took them pretty much off the grid for everybody. And then they quietly have just kind of run the schedule since then. They had a couple close wins uh, against Virginia Tech being one of them. But um, I do think that's also evidence of the fact that they played like what, eight games straight almost. And they just finally got a break uh, with a postponed game against Georgia Tech. And then they came out and they actually just crushed uh, Duke last week, which um, Duke, not a great program, but 48 nothing is a pretty good showing that, hey, you are winning and you are winning dominantly. So um, they are five and two against the spread as a favorite, two and one as an away favorite. So they just seem to have a good enough scheme that's able to kind of get in there and get things done with this spread being three. I know most of their spreads have been more than that as an away favorite and a favorite. So I just feel like they're able to come in against a UNC team that's one year away and play a more sound strategy with uh, Manny Diaz kind of being the edge here and his staff out coaching Mac Brown and his to have a, a kind of a winning game plan in place. Brett, have we convinced you to switcheroo to the Hurricanes or are you sticking with the Tar Heels? No, someone's like Robert said, someone's got to having have the dissenting opinion around here on some of these picks. Um, well, yes, Miami's been solid and consistent, but they've been quiet for a couple of reasons. And really one of them is they've struggled against teams. They've pulled games out, but they've struggled against some average teams. They barely pulled out a game against an average, well, average Virginia Tech team. They barely, they pulled out in the fourth quarter against Virginia, who only put up 14 and they won 19 to 14. And honestly, they played UAB earlier in their first game of the year and they pulled it away in the fourth quarter and they should have lost to NC State three weeks ago. So, I mean, Miami is very close to not being eight and one. And they're, if I can count the points, one point, three points, five points, and three weeks in a row. But then they blew up Duke last week. But we know how bad Duke is. So just for me, it's, I think UNC, especially, especially with Diamond Brown up for the Blintikoff Award, I think they're just going to be launching the ball all week. I mean, all weekend. And for me, it's just, I think it's one that's time for Miami to, be Miami again and I think it's just it's going to be this game and it feels like UNC has nothing to play for except to ruin Miami's New York six New Year's six chances and that sounds like something exactly Mac Brown would want to do and would do to a team so and I think UNC's front seven is athletic enough to keep King under control between the hashes their secondary yes is pretty abysmal but for King I think you can get away with a bad a bad secondary aka Virginia Tech and if you can keep him in between the hashes so that's well, my take that's what we talked about with Miami when they played Virginia Tech, and that was the reason that a few of us did take Tech is, look, Miami's going to Miami. Why not us? Like, why not this year? It almost happened for Virginia Tech. I mean, the ball bounces differently on one or two occasions. Virginia Tech wins that game. Virginia Tech might even win that game handily. I mean, they were dominating the game in the first half. So um, it's an interesting matchup, and I, I think, you know, Miami certainly has a bit more to play for. But, um, again, you never know with Miami. It's, they seem to go against the convention of how teams should get up for big games. Uh, speaking of big games, guys, UVA and Virginia Tech, the Commonwealth Cup, it is here. 
It has been a long time waiting. This was supposed to be the game. It's supposed to be the second game of the year. And then it became the first game of the year. And then it became the last game of the year. Um, so we've made it. It's come full circle. Uh, yeah. UVA, Virginia Tech. I, I'm just um, – I really don't even know what to say. I really like I didn't write a lot in my article. Um, to be honest, I didn't do a whole lot of research for this matchup, which is very unlike me for the Virginia Tech matchup of the week. I just I don't know, man. Like we don't know who's gonna play quarterback for Virginia Tech. We don't know what the defense, the defensive secondary, who knows what that will look like. That depth chart's been different every single game. Um we really don't know. Virginia Tech on a four-game losing streak and UVA on a four game winning streak. Um, so yeah, guys, Virginia tech is favored by two points in this game. Um, it's been fluctuating between three, two and a half and two throughout the week. So as of Wednesday night, it is uh, Virginia tech minus two. Um, Robert, I'm just going to kick it to you. What do you got? Sam, what's your, uh, what's your catchphrase on this podcast? Bet the numbers, not the team. Bet the numbers, not the teams. That's right. And the number that I really want to hone in on here is uh, explosive plays. And I got to credit my boy David Hale, ESPN, for pointing this out. But Virginia Tech has the fifth most explosive offense in the country, uh, meaning the fifth highest percentage of their plays are considered explosive based on how many yards they gain while UVA is the 10th worst defense in the FBS at allowing explosive plays. And coincidentally, those their percentages are only a tenth of a point off. So Virginia Tech has 16.39% of their plays end explosively, whereas UVA gives up explosive plays on 16.29% of their plays. So based on those numbers, you can almost guarantee that Virginia Tech will have between 16 and 17% of their plays be explosive. And that is a lot of plays. Um, and, and you look at a team like Virginia Tech, who is so just emotionally motivated, either positively or negatively, these types of big plays can be the difference maker. And you look at a guy like Trey Turner, Trey Turner loves playing UVA. Oh my gosh. I mean, he, that was his breakout game his freshman year where he had the one-handed catch and he had the blocked punt. And then last year, he had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think Trey Turner, should he be able to play? We don't really know what the deal was with his injury last week. But if Trey Turner is out there, I see a lot of big plays for him. And remember, Hendon Hooker played, if he is able to play as well, Hendon Hooker played pretty well against UVA last year minus taking those three sacks at the end of the game, Hendon played pretty well. So I think that that Hooker-Turner connection, I think the numbers are aligning such that they will uh, break open some big plays. And I think UVA missing Charles Snowden is a big loss, especially for their run defense. Um, And if Boston College with their backup quarterback can throw for over 500 yards, it's as bad as Virginia Tech's passing offense has been. It is not inconceivable for them to make some plays in the passing game. Ed, um, how are you feeling about this one? 
the Commonwealth Cup will it come back to Blacksburg? Like I said in the article, I have no reason to think this way at all. Um, my only thought process is that those explosive plays that you were just talking about, Irby, um, I think Khalil Herbert is poised to have a pretty big game. He looked really good against Clemson, and they're a lot better than Virginia is. Um, one thing I am worried about, though, is our quarterback situation. We have no idea who's going to be playing um, for Virginia Tech on Saturday. We also have no idea if Trey Turner's going to be playing. There's just a lot of unknowns. There's no real reason to think Tech's going to win this game. Virginia has played pretty well recently, but I do think there's more talent on this Virginia Tech team, and if Justin Fuente has any aspirations of staying in Blacksburg, kind of got to have this one. Um, so go Hokies. We'll see what happens. I'll go Virginia Tech minus two on the back of Khalil Herbert. I think it's a good call saying that Khalil Herbert will have a big game, uh, you know, a big game not only from a production standpoint, but just from a game script standpoint. Um, I would expect him to get 20-plus carries pretty easily um, because that's really just Virginia Tech's best offense this year has been getting him the ball, some zone blocking, and seeing what he can do with it. Uh, Chris, you have Virginia Tech minus two as well. You guys are trying to – Trying to bring some positivity to it. I like it because I, I'm going to be honest. When I saw y'all's picks, I was a little bit surprised. Um, to be honest, I was surprised Virginia Tech was favored by two points. So, Chris, uh, Virginia Tech minus two. Yeah, you kind of hit this one um, right there with just the surprise of it. I think a lot of people in Hokie Nation were surprised that we were actually favoring this one, just given the record and uh, just kind of the momentum of the season. You know, we're on a losing streak. What does that all mean? Um, and then if you think about it, you know, Vegas is still doing the thing where if the home team, if all things being equal, uh, it's still giving the three point edge to home team. So if anything, this number shows that it's slightly favoring UVA in this matchup. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and just kind of did like a little bit of history of just how we perform against UVA head to head. And, um, this isn't necessarily a spread pick. It's just a money line pick considering I think the last uh, game to come within less than a field goal was in 1987, which uh, as it turns out was a UVA win 14, 13 back in 87. But you know, it was also pretty much the first year for Frank Beamer as well. So it's been a while. Um, so if you're picking this game, you're picking a who you think is going to win and games this close. Uh, I believe Irby hit the nail on the head already. It's about matchups. Um, because just to the layman, you know, Khalil Herbert versus UVA's run defense is going to be what most people hone in on. My guess is that's what the only thing that the ACC network is going to do their research on and talk about all game, um, considering they probably won't know much about anything in any other part of the teams. Um, but the other part would just be how VT uh, can play against, you know, Brennan Armstrong, what he's going to do, uh, kind of more of a balanced attack with UVA. It's still kind of vanilla, and I don't think that they're necessarily as explosive. They're more kind of efficiency-based, so they're just going to do the kind of chunk plays and then you know try to get one open every once in a while. But for VT, it's, it's not even just the explosive plays, but it's the type of explosive play, like how far down they're getting the field. And so I just wanted to see like from a passing point of view, which is where we can really, really exploit them, what types of passes and it's all that tech actually if you had to just say is this real or not ranks in the top 15 in the country of passes of 30 plus yards which i had to actually take a bit of a take back and and just is this true but i went back and saw the games that happened in and as it turns out that's the case so um you know with hendon 
playing and his connection with Trey Turner in this game specifically and his proclivity to play up in this game, given the matchup, given the type of pass matchup that we're going to be looking for, which is big play Trey, 30 yards downfield, and then the other offsetting weapons around him. Um, I like that they got Tavon Robinson a little bit more involved in the offense last week as far as being a little bit more of a downfield threat. Of course, James Mitchell, when healthy and active in the offense, is that other kind of balancing option that they have available. And I think regardless, though, if it comes in to be Braxton, I still think they're able to run the ball effectively against Khalil. He seems to be matchup proof at this point. I don't think UVA has had to face a running back of his caliber yet this season. And he's faced some really tough defenses in last week and has still eclipsed 100 yards and gotten close to him a couple other ones and still averaging eight to nine plus yards per play. Uh, per rush that is and you just kind of mix all those things combined and I just think it's going to be close but a VT victory of greater than three probably uh, less than a touchdown so I still think it's going to be a close game but just give VT the edge in this one all things considered yeah before we get to Brett when you guys were picking this game you know for people picking at home um, who did you envision the Virginia Tech quarterback be? Hendon Hooker Hooker I don't really know that it matters between Hooker and Braxton, to be honest. But I think that's a really good point, Ed. I, I we have not seen a difference in the game script between Braxton Burmeister and Hendon Hooker. I, I think um, Hendon is a little bit more comfortable with dropping back and passing than Burmeister is. Now that's not saying much because I don't think either of them are very comfortable with that. But um, in terms of this going into this game, I, I don't think it matters. Um, do we see a Virginia Tech offense that wants to open it up a bit more? Um, because UVA has been in recent games, just quite frankly, abysmal against passing. They are um, giving up 260 yards passing a game. Um, and that includes giving up a trillion yards to Boston College's backup quarterback. So, do we think we'll see a difference in the quarterback game script? Because uh, if you're looking at something like an the over-under for this game is at 63. Um, I think that's that could hit this game because of how poor UVA's pass defense has been. But does Brad Cornelson take advantage of that is a different question. Because, look, again, like Kilo Herbert is matchup proof. It's their best offense. But do you – does Virginia Tech take advantage of UVA's weakness or does Virginia Tech just stick with bread and butter? I think that's like the number one question going into this game, maybe even more than who is the quarterback for Virginia Tech. Brett, uh, you uh, round, round us out. You have Virginia Tech minus two. Yeah, I've been kind of echoing this amongst my family, friends, some of the scribes on the Saturday. I don't care how bad you want changes or how bad you think the team wants changes. Nobody wants to lose to UVA on and under any circumstance. And I think the team is thinking that and the fan base should honestly think that. And so this game being a toss up, I give Hokies the edge based off of a couple things. One is revenge game, wanting it back after having it for 15 years. I think the players remember last year very well, especially headed hooker. I think he really, wants this game bad to kind of redeem himself after last year, after his fourth quarter performance. And Charleston is not on the field, so that's a good thing for him because he uh, gifted him the ball towards the end of the game last year. 
Um, but I'm like kind of echoing everyone else as well. Herbert, I think, is going to be sent off in this game as one of the greatest ground trenchers I can remember seeing in my, I mean, and I can remember in my lifetime. I mean, I'm not really too many of other ones that are that good. I mean, as Jalen Hurts was a grad transfer, he was phenomenal, obviously. But you know, Herbert is Russell Wilson's another one. I, I can't remember if he graduated or if he had just transferred. Um, did Joe Burrow graduate or did he tra- just transfer? I think he, he just tra- just transferred. Yeah. yeah, he just transferred. So, I mean, Herbert, really what he's done in just a short amount of time is pretty phenomenal. And I think it's really going to – this is going to be the game for him to just, you know, put his mark in Blacksburg and just say, you know, thanks for everything. Thanks for letting me, thanks for letting me stay and pad my stats for a year as I go off in the NFL. But and just another couple things is that I think – I'm like Ed. I don't – I think Hooker is the guy, but I think Burmeister – also, I think you might see both this game, honestly. Again, I think it's going to be just a matter of who has the hot hand. Um, as Like you said, Sam, Sam uh, Hooker dropping back and throwing the ball, I think Cornelson and himself are maybe a little more comfortable, but it's really not turned out too well. He's thrown several interceptions dropping back this year, something he didn't do last year very often, which is interesting. But um, I don't know if he's missing the connection. Uh, I'm not sure. Not having Trey Turner obviously isn't helping. But I think you're going to see both quarterbacks this week, this weekend. Um, I, I think Fuente is going to have to, whether he's there or not, I think he's going to have to let the playbook fly and just have, play like there's nothing to lose. Whereas UVA, UVA is playing for, you know, to keep the cup again, whereas we're just trying to get it back. So I think it's just going to be a nasty game for Gene Tech. It's going to pull out in the end. Yeah, I, I agree. It could be nasty weather. Who knows what the weather will be like. It's Blacksburg. I'm not going to try to predict the weather. Um, my guess is it's going to be a little cold, a little bit of wet, um, which is that gob- we'll call that gobbler weather again. Um, gob- gobbler weather didn't really come out last week. It, it was dry. Um, so hopefully we get some gobbler weather this week. I'm going to tell you what I envision this game being. I envision it being like a game-winning 30-yard field goal from Brian Johnson and the Hokies win by one. So that is, that's my best case scenario. So that's me being positive. Um, and because of that, I have UVA plus two. I don't really see an avenue. I don't really trust this Virginia Tech team to answer the question you know, that I posed earlier, which was, does Virginia Tech take advantage of the matchups they have on the other side of the ball? I don't think they will. I think you will see the same three or four plays ran consistently on offense. Uh, Khalil Herbert will have a hundred yards, but it, it, I, again, a guy getting eight or nine yards per rush. Um, that means that there's a lot of runs that are less than eight or nine yards, as many as there are above eight or nine yards. So it's like, I, I just do not trust this Virginia tech coaching staff to prepare the team for this game, for the matchup. Um, as much as the numbers might point to Virginia Tech, I mean, I'm looking at the ESPN matchup predictor right now. It has 65% Virginia Tech. I don't think anybody here is that confident in, in Virginia Tech winning this game. Uh, UVA does not have much in terms of a run game outside of Brennan Armstrong, who has 529 yards rushing on the year. Uh, and we know how Virginia Tech does against rushing quarterbacks. They've been a bit better this year, but it's still something to worry about with this Four two five defensive scheme. Um, I'm just going to say, like, I don't, 
I've bet on tech a lot. I bet on them last week to cover, um, bet against Pitt, against Miami, which almost worked out. Um, I, I just, I don't trust them to take advantage of UVA's weaknesses. I, I do not think this coaching staff is capable of putting their dominant athletes. I mean, Virginia Tech is the way more talented team. I don't think they are capable of putting them in the position to win this season. I think we have seen it in the past. We've seen it in flashes this season, but in the last four or five weeks, it just hasn't been there. It's just something hasn't been there um, in the buildups these weeks. So I have UVA plus two. If you look at our article on SonsOfSaturday.com, it is Game of Thrones themed because you know, this college football season, much like Game of Thrones, wild, crazy, unexpected, hurtful, funny, exciting. The finale isn't going as well as Virginia Tech fans had hoped it would. Um, all I wrote for it is, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. The famous quote from Ramsey Bolton. Um, I, I just, if, if you think Virginia Tech is going to go out there and dominate UVA like the good old days, you have not been paying attention to this football team in the last four or five weeks. You just haven't. And that is, I'm seeing some shocked faces on the Zoom right now because I usually do not talk like that on this podcast. I have just lost all faith in this team to game plan. I have lost all faith in them to even understand that UVA is not a good pass defense. Um, and, you know, it, whoever the quarterback is, I don't think it matters because I don't think they have a guy who can drop back and pass consistently um, outside of running play action outside of, you know, faking a bubble screen, hitting guy down deep um, outside of a fade route. I don't think they have a downfield passing game still. Ed, you talked about it since week one, week one, Ed was on here and being like, Virginia Tech can't pass the ball downfield. And it's going to kill him this year. It doesn't matter how good Cleo Harvard is or Raheem Blackshear and an hooker. They can't throw the ball. They're not going to win many football games. And we're seeing that now. Another issue that I'm having with this team, Grayson brought it up on the Clemson Review podcast that came out a couple of days ago. Um, this defense has done well. I mean, it's Justin Hamilton has been coaching the defense with one arm tied behind his back due to roster adjustments, uh, youth in the defensive secondary, things of that nature. My one issue with this defense that is glaring, it is abysmal, it is painful to watch, is the end of the first half. Has just been so, so, so bad. I'm going to read this off for you guys. Um, In seven of the 10 games that Virginia Tech has played, the opponent has scored in the last minute and 31 seconds or less. NC State had a field goal as time expired in the first half. UNC scored a touchdown with 16 seconds left. Wake Forest scored a touchdown with a minute 31 left. Louisville scored that 90-yard touchdown. Uh, I believe once the touchdown was scored, there was nine seconds left. Miami scored a field goal, which ended up being the difference in the game, with four seconds left in the first half. Pittsburgh got a touchdown with a minute 19 left in the first half. And Clemson got a touchdown with a minute and six seconds left. Um, So... That is abysmal. That is so bad. That is bad on so many levels and is so painful to read off. And it's worse than I thought. Any thoughts on that before I get to 
my surprise Virginia Tech prop bet. Well, that was a uh, sweeping wave of negativity right there. Uh, <laughs> I've I'm never heard you that. I, hey, I will say my prediction, I did predict a Brian Johnson game-winning field goal <laughs> from like th- I'm going 32 yards out. There you go. Uh, I will just counter and we'll put a little bit more positivity in the pod and we'll uh, take a little bit of a history lesson, which is uh, – when was the last time that a four and six Virginia Tech football team that had lost four games in a row welcomed UVA to Lane Stadium? Oh, it was two years ago. And the Hokies won the game. And UVA had a much better quarterback then. So, you know, if history repeats itself, I like the Hokies. Probably one of the craziest, I will say that and the UNC game are the two craziest football games I've ever seen. Um, wild. Yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, Brett, do you have some? Yeah. I was going to say, I'll be, I'll be a man. I cried at 2018 UVA game because I couldn't believe what just happened. I, I was sitting in North end zone and I lost my mind. Um, I was actually on, I was like ready to go to Hokie House after that game and just. I was on the way out of North End Zone. I was literally walking down the steps to leave. And then I saw one of my friends. So we stopped to talk off to the side. And then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. I, I was literally on the way out. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. So, guys, um, my Virginia Tech prop bet, I, I have two for you. I have two. The first one goes to the list of late game scores that I talked about. Um, you know, we'll cut this game into little pieces. The last five minutes of the second quarter, are you taking UVA or Virginia Tech? In those last five minutes. Uh, I mean, based on those numbers you read, you got to go with UVA, I guess. Yeah, based on how we've handled the uh, end of the first half when we have time, Really, the last few years, uh, I'm going to go UVA as well. No brainer, UVA. No, I have to zag completely because everybody's going in that direction. Um, it's it's definitely shocking to know that there's been kind of a last minute scoring drive in all of those moments. Um, I do feel like, uh, for the most part last week was the first time that it was really thrown back into Fuente's face as far as clock management and, and getting that kind of, Hey, these are valuable minutes left in the second or so maybe try to come up with a better game strategy and scheme. Um, and so my only hope is that somehow that got through to him and through to corn and somehow comes up with a better late in the second quarter strategy to control the clock a little bit more and be the team that's in position to score uh, with essentially time ticking away rather than, you know, be the team that's uh, giving up the last second score. So that's it. Other than that, I have no other reason to believe that they won't do the same thing they have done in every single game this year, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, in seven out of the 10 games, they've allowed uh, the opponent to score on their last drive of the first half. Um, but I mean, my next kind of question to you before we get to the next prop bet is in a game that's, you know, two-point spread, is it safe to say that the last, I'll call it five minutes, like two possessions for both teams, is it safe to say that that could decide this game? 
I don't know how it couldn't. I mean, these games are usually pretty close. So I would assume, well, not usually, but in the last few years. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's going to probably be a pretty close game. It's going to come down to, you know, could be like one of those who has the ball last type of, de- type of deals. Yeah, or, I mean, honestly, knowing these two offenses, I could see it being a scenario where one team has to score in the last two minutes, but they fail to do so. Uh, but regardless, it'll be down to the wire. Yeah, it could be um, could be a pivotal moment in this game, the end of the first half. So if you're watching at home, like pay attention to that and see if anything changes. Um, you would like like for it to change, certainly. My last prop bet, and guys, this is a little tongue in cheek, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, designed runs for Hendon Hook. It, designed runs for the quarterback, not Hendon Hooker. Designed runs for the quarterback over under 16 and a half. Over designed, designed, not quarterback script. Is God under? Yeah, if it's just designed, I'll say under. So designed run plays. I guess not changes it because I spoke too soon because I heard QB run and I immediately said over. So <laughs> designed run meaning that it is either a read option of some sort or a designed quarterback power quarterback draw. Um, basically, the offensive line is run blocking or RPO blocking. Yeah, for me, when you said that, I thought of RPO instantly. So I do think that over might be a good, just kind of safer bet here, just solely because this first read might look like UVA is doing what they normally do well, which is present a pretty difficult front seven uh, scheme to to say, hey, this is the better play to give it off to Khalil. Um, and with that, I do think that Hendon's reads are more for hey, that reads bad, I'm going to take it, and then it'll skew up, and they'll probably end up having like 17 rushes for like 50 to 60 yards, and then Khalil will have nine for 90 or something in this game, uh, just based off of that. So I, I would take the over, actually, um, unfortunately, because that's not the way that we want the game plan to go at, as fans. I'm going to take the under just because I think there is a definite fear of quarterback injury um, in this matchup with whoever is at quarterback. Um, Burmeister and Hooker are both kind of on their last leg, it looks like. And, um, you know, Knox Kadem, bless his heart. <laughs> bless his heart. He went out there and played hard. Looked pretty decent. Um, we've only heard good things about him since the recruiting process, since he's been in camp uh, throughout the season. We've heard things that he was just lighting it up on the practice squad against the first-team defense at points. So, um but but I think they're going to want to keep him with a headset and a clipboard, um, and rightfully so. Uh, so I, I think there will be a bit of caution with running the quarterback, and we'll see how that changes things, if that gets more carries for a guy like Raheem Blackshear or Jalen Holston. Uh, any last thoughts on this game, any of the other games? Is there any other games that you guys are betting hard this weekend? Off top of your head. Yeah, I would start with this exact game. I think the over-under I saw was at 63. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems high, uh, just given just all the variables we talked about. It's probably more run-heavy with each team kind of not being really super consistent with the pass. Um, I, I do believe that Tech's defense, you wouldn't have known it from last week, uh, but I do think that they have consistently gotten better schematically, and the game plan has been able to improve uh, as far as protecting the defense a little bit more so. Um, so I, I just I think that that is 
I mean, we played Clemson last week and it was at 67 and we came well under. Granted, it was skewed more so to Clemson, but I just don't think that both offenses are going to be able to generate enough to push this game over 63 unless, you know, you get some of those turnover recovery type touchdowns, which are our killers for that. But uh, all things being considered, uh, 63 just seems pretty high. So I would take the under in this game. Any other picks, thoughts from our panel of experts? Rutgers money line against a Maryland team that has played four games of football. I like it. I like that. I like that. Um, anyone else? I gotta, see what the, I gotta see what the odds are now. It was like plus two, it was like plus two something. And I was like, dude, that's perfect. But I gotta see what it is now. Rutgers, Rutgers has, uh, I think they could be like the people's team next year. If they play 12 games, I think you see a team that goes like 10 and two against the spread just because people are going to be like Rutgers. There's no way they're winning. They're, you know, they're building something. And for as many really good teams as are in the Big Ten, it's looking like there's still some bad ones. Purdue regressing, Minnesota regressing, Maryland regressing, Illinois. Uh, we're supposed to be better this year. Not looking good. Nebraska still sucks. Nebraska has sucked since like the mid 90s. So, yeah, Rutgers could be the people's team. Plus 225. Oh, yeah. That's good value. Oh, yeah. That is really good. So I really like Rutgers there. Um, and their basketball team has the Sopranos, Sopranos, excuse me, uh, cast in their stands. And I think that's amazing. So they might that's become the people's team. That works. Where's Billy Ray when we need him? At least two points per game on the football field. All right. Well, it's been. So fun, guys. Uh, we will get together next week to talk about the conference title games. Should be really fun. Hopefully, we can get some chaos because the top of the college football playoff has been pretty steady. Um, most likely, we will get some chaos because that's just how life works. And, uh, guys, super fun. Uh, we'll see what happens this week. Exciting, as always. Hit us up on Twitter um, at Sons of Sat VT. Can hit me up. I'm Sam of Saturday. Um, yeah, let us know what you're picking. Let us know what you think. And as always, go Hokies. Go Hokies. Oh,